Welcome to Beyond the Stories, a creative business podcast for those looking to find freedom and fulfillment in the work that they do. With me, business coach and therapist, Lauren O'Sullivan. Hello and welcome to today's episode. So today's guest is multi-talented artist and art director, Sundari Ferris. I first came across Sundari's work only a few weeks ago and was instantly captivated by her work, which is both personal and emotive. Sundari's personality exudes from her Instagram account and I knew I had to get her on the podcast to talk about her business and creative work. Sundari set up her wedding styling business at the age of just 23 and since then has evolved her business into a multifaceted career which now includes art direction, styling, painting, teaching and much much more. In today's episode Sundari talks about how she threw herself in at the deep end and built her business from the ground up as well as speaking frankly about the personal challenges that she has faced in the past year that have pushed her to evolve her business in a way that works for her. Sundari has a unique approach to running her business, which is a blend of emotive artistry and commercial business acumen, which are the keys to her success. Sundari speaks in this episode about how she effectively juggles all the different elements of her business, as well as what her creative process looks like and what success means to her. It's a really interesting episode. I hope you enjoy. Here's Sundari. Hi, Sundari. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. <laughs> do you want, Sundari, for those who haven't heard of you, don't know who you are, do you want to do a little introduction to who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, everybody. So my <laughs> name is Sundari. Um, I'm an art director and stylist by trade, but I also do quite a few other things. Um, I paint backdrops. I'm also a film photographer. I also do copywriting, story writing, social media management, all sorts of creative, lovely bits. But my main thing is I'm an art director and stylist. <laughs> That's all. You've got a list there of all these beautiful, creative things that you do. Have you always been creative? Yeah, I think it was something that genuinely began from childhood. I've always been, I've always been artistic. And sort of separate from my family in that sense. My family are very sort of like my dad's an engineer, my mum's a nurse, my brother works in banking. So I'm kind of like the black sheep in that sense. But they always recognised that I was creative in that sense when I did like art GSSE and art A-level. They were trying their hardest to kind of figure out because I'm um, South Asian. So my parents are kind of like, oh my God, what, like, she can't be an artist for her job. <laughs> the irony is obviously now I am. But um, yeah, so I actually got funneled in and advised to kind of take up architecture. So I actually studied architecture at Brighton University. Um, it wasn't quite for me. It was creative to a certain extent, but it didn't allow, not necessarily that I should have gone to art college or anything like that, but it didn't allow me to flourish necessarily in the ways I think I would have wanted to. I think I probably would have been probably a bit more far suited to something written based, English language based. Like I love writing and that's one of my passions creatively. But yeah, no, I think I've always been artsy and the creative one. So yeah. <laughs> So how so if you did architecture at university, which sounds really, really interesting, how did you how did the business that you run today, how did that come about? Oh, that's quite a story. Um so I studied architecture, I finished my degree, and then I moved back home and I was like I don't know whether it sort of overlapped with Kate and Will's wedding, but I was obsessed with weddings. Um I'm a diehard romantic, that's always been something I have adored growing up 
and I sort of brought, um, moved back home and I began a like wedding blog. I'd always been interested in it and it's just an inspiration one, just about something very small. At the same time in university, I'd actually been writing my own sort of personal, ugh, I cringe at it now, but like beauty blog. But I really loved kind of expressing myself in that way. And then events sort of became this new thing I came across. So I came home, started a blog, and then I told my parents, I'm going to work in weddings. And they were like, wow, okay, weird, sure, try. <laughs> but they very gracefully kind of let me go and intern at loads of places. And then I, la- I landed a um, an internship at Philippa Lepley, which I guess was sort of a turning point for me if I was going to kind of pinpoint uh, narratives in my career as to how I'm here now. I loved working there. I did an internship for a good few months and practically became an an employee. I, I did change jobs for a little bit and worked for a wedding planner. And then I came back and I was employed by Philip Lepley and I became the client control manager there. And I loved it. But I was um, in the main, in, in the same time, still writing this inspiration blog and kind of like dreaming of owning my business. And when I was having fittings with clients, I was advising them on decor choices, like researching suppliers for them, like doing all sorts because a lot of the time we'd have brides come in and they'd be standing staring at themselves in the mirror for an hour and a half and they talk about their wedding plans and I absolutely loved advising them and it sort of kind of came into a like a an idea like oh maybe I could style weddings I don't know anybody else doing that I was so naive but um funny enough I actually got made redundant so that kind of gave me the platform to start my business you know I had this little payout that I could put in but remember my like calling it was on Valentine's Day as well it was brutal um, I called my dad after walk, walk, like walking out the building and I was like oh, I got made redundant and he was like okay I'm coming to pick you up so he met me at Wimbledon station and he just said well you've wanted to leave you wanted to kind of start your own business this may not be the ideal situation you wanted but you know, better now than ever. So he was the one that helped me, you know, get my company name, register with company houses and really set me up and then just let me go. And and I sort of just started on Instagram. And that's how I started this company called The Wedding Stylist. And I that's what I did. I designed and styled weddings. I was so, I was about 22, 20, yeah, 23 when I opened the business. So quite like, young that's young isn't it to, to do that well that just shows like the determination from that and almost maybe a little bit when you mentioned the naivety but maybe actually that works in your favor a little bit to just say do you know what I'm actually just going to try it yeah absolutely actually correct myself I was 24 because I think it was 2014 I began the wedding style in March so I was 24 turning 25 so started the business and then I realized that There are lots of wedding planners out there in the world, obviously. Like I was in a bubble for the company I'd worked for. I'd worked in high-end sort of weddings, like all the clients that Philip Lepley gets, you know, they're top-end clients. And I wanted to hit that sort of middle ground, like the everyday person who looks at their Pinterest board and doesn't know how to bring it to life. And that was sort of like this, the, the dream client. And then I just, again, yeah, you're right. That naivety kind of played into it. And I just bombarded Instagram and I gained traction, booked clients, and it just kind of went from there. And I did that for five years. But at the same time, I was also teaching Instagram workshops because my Instagram sort of exploded. 
Um, so there became this demand for me to teach that. And then I was doing photo shoots, which a lot of other small wedding businesses and entrepreneurs will know, like you sort of create beautiful content that gets featured on blogs and magazines. So you can get your name out there and book more clients. So I did start doing a lot of that. And through that, brands started to approach me to actually design and coordinate their editorials. So after five years, I was sort of being paid for doing photo shoots and then kind of feeling a disconnect with weddings because I'd sort of hit my top end. Well, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I sort of, in my mind, had hit the top end of what I could charge for what I offer. And if I was going to grow my business, I would have to add to it and charge more. And it just didn't sit quite right with me. But I ended on the most amazing high. It was like a wedding in Paris and it was the most gorgeous wedding ever, a beautiful American couple. And that was my last wedding. So I kind of, I didn't close the wedding stylist immediately, but I kind of began to phase it out. I changed my business name to my name. So that was a conscious decision, wasn't it, then to, to move away from, from weddings at that point? Yeah, it was. And also I think it was a money one because I was looking at my income and my outgoings and I was going, this isn't working. This isn't going to like support me. I had the most amazing assistant who was freelance, but I just, it was just, Everything that came in went back out again because I would hand out all of the items for my clients. Like we would spend so much time and my assistant, we'd work hours and hours for our clients. And it just wasn't from a kind of financial perspective, wasn't quite working. And then I was looking at the brand jobs I was doing and I was earning a better income, basically. And it just it was really heartbreaking to admit that, you know, it was a business decision to kind of walk away from weddings. But it was also, I had to kind of uh, go, yeah, it's time to step away. You've got to know your limits and you've got to kind of go with the flow. And there's something in like, yes, keep going, even though you're not earning a lot of money. But I think I'd reached the point where I knew my value and I knew my price point and I knew my clients. And I knew that I didn't want to change what I offered, but I didn't want to suddenly charge you know double the amount for the same thing to just earn a living I just had to look at my business model and go no that's time to kind of walk away now really yeah and I suppose that's you know running a business and making those tough decisions are kind of what makes um you know good businesses work and people succeed versus you know some that don't so sometimes it's necessary to have to make those decisions I imagine doing weddings as well particularly that I've quite intense stroke stressful things to do as well because you know it's such a high you know high emotion involved isn't it for the people on the day yeah I get often I often get asked like do you have nightmare brides and or was it really really challenging actually it wasn't like it it wasn't like all the couples that I worked with were dreamy I was very lucky in that sense that I don't know whether it's because I'd really kind of honed in on my like my branding and my women yeah. people knew what they were getting already I think from yeah I think because I'm still the same person on Instagram I've always been very chatty and conversational on my Instagram oh is that law of attraction isn't it you attract people that are similar to you who like your personality I can't say that I mean at times obviously running a business was stressful but I don't think the stress came from the wedding element in terms of like working for clients that are getting married it came from more the kind of like oh my gosh my bottom line 
I need to make sure I have enough to pay my assistant and kind of looking at my bank balance. That was the stress because uh, would, that would be the thing that would make me kind of go and really kind of cry in the corner yeah. <laughs> rather than my couples. <laughs> so that was the need then for the, for the change. So from that point onwards, once you'd made that conscious decision to move away from weddings, what did that next phase of your business look like? It was, yeah, I basically, so I kept the wedding stylist website open, but I designed a whole new website for my art direction, my copywriting and my social media and my backdrop, basically. So at the same time as I was kind of finishing my last wedding clients, I'd started the backdrops. Um, and funnily enough, the last wedding, she actually had backdrops as table runners for her wedding <laughs> because she just loved them so much. So I ended up making them for her wedding design. But I sort of started the backdrops first, phased out the weddings, let the final wedding and any other new increase. I just said, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be taking on any more weddings. Um, and I directed them to my colleagues in the industry and such. And then I opened up, you know, Cindery Ferris as it, as it stands, well, it's now Cindery Design, but it became sort of like my name new website with all of my editorial work and just a really pulled back version of what I offer. And it, I, to be honest, I didn't spend that much time on it because I was already being booked for editorials. I kind of just got on with it, really. It was like an evolution almost. It, it was kind of something that was already there and happening. It just that you chose to what your focus was at the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely remember having a bit of time and a bit of peace away from from all of my work and then quietly kind of going okay well what does my day-to-day look like but because I was already kind of doing things and still doing photo shoots and still designing and I actually had quite a bit of contract work I was still funnily enough without people knowing I was still freelancing for wedding planners I was still designing weddings so I up until literally the end of last year I was designing like weddings for this company based in Italy so I still had my foot in weddings, but I was more kind of, I guess, forward facing as an art director. So yeah, that was kind of about two years ago now. And then, yeah, I've just kind of been, I guess, it's, I say plodding along. Last year, because oh no, it was three years ago, oh my goodness, I'm losing track of time because I feel like time is in this weird <laughs> bubble right now. Yeah, I can't believe we've been it for so long. But yeah, I changed my business name kind of full throttle into Cindery Ferris as like the brand. Backdrops was happening, etc. And then my marriage started to kind of fall apart. So then I was kind of maybe slightly more emotionally focused on what I was doing at home, more so than the business. And it's kind of a weird blur so last year was a bit of a blur for me because that was when we sort of finally decided to separate and I was applying for jobs left right and center because obviously there was a huge change and shift in the financial situation I was in so like the impact isn't it like the realities of you know I mean obviously divorce is a hugely stressful thing to go through but as somebody working for themselves and the impact financially of that to consider as well must have been a huge thing hanging over yeah it's still something that hangs over me now but back then 
because you're dealing with the emotions of everything falling apart and how you make yourself a you know your person and how you get over the ending of a relationship that you thought was going to you know last forever <laughs> um you have to kind of take yourself away a little bit but then I did kind of have to apply for jobs all over the place so it was a bit of a weird time I couldn't fully focus on my business I was still painting backdrops I was still doing photo shoots and being paid for styling and such but having to look for jobs I remember so I um, was booked to style and design a workshop for these two incredibly talented florists and it was in September but they booked me at the beginning of the year like February time and obviously I began to realize my situation by about April and I had to let them know I was just like I can still do this right now but I am conscious I am looking for a job so I just wanted to give you guys a heads up and they were so accepting and understanding and they obviously gave me so much support but their booking was I think what financially got me through not really being able to fully concentrate on my you know my main role as a freelancer um, and then I, I did do some freelancing for wedding plans and stuff so those were the smaller jobs that kind of kept me going um, and I think had I not had those I would have been really struggling now because this year has been possibly my best year like so far to to date in terms of like how secure I feel in what I do and the interest and the time and effort I'm not obviously searching for jobs anymore I'm able to have enough work on my plate I've had to diversify because of COVID but yeah it's a it, I feel like my my career journey in my business isn't quite as normal as it seems like it seems like a very kind of straightforward I did weddings I did styling and then now I do backdrops etc and I'm still very much in the art direction styling side but I've kind of got a lot of things going but it doesn't you know how some people like just get bigger and bigger <laughs> I don't feel like mine I think you diversify diversify I think that's what in you know what I, in terms of what I see from from what you do you do you've kind of got different things going on in different areas and I think because you're kind of very artistic and I think you're very passionate about a lot of things as well and I think sometimes when I speak to people who are very creative and you know have different things going on they see that sometimes as a negative thing and I'm always like no, 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 that's crazy because that's you know that's what you've got that is unique and different and I think that diversification correct me if I'm wrong but is that what's given you that security recently because you've got all these different streams of things that you're working on we're able to pick up pretty much anything fairly quickly because that is just the the skill we've learned and unfortunately the world isn't necessarily built for creatives but we sort of build our own world so we're able to kind of I think if I wasn't creative I wouldn't be able to have offered as much as I am able to offer uh, now particularly like I remember when COVID first hit like overnight work disappeared that was it it was gone and you know it was a few months of just going wow when am I next going to even be able to invoice anybody let alone like pay myself so yeah it's the I always think it's such a shame that there's so much marketing out there for like how to run your business and how to be an entrepreneur and everything and it's like do one thing and do it really well and I'm like so that's such a shame because even if you do one thing and you don't you know get that money in your bank account you feel like a failure and and it's a shame because as creatives we can do so much more than just one thing and to limit ourselves to one thing 
I think hinders us. I understand the mentality of, yeah, like you can focus your full energy. But since when has anyone in a corporate job ever just given their 100% to that one thing? They probably have a hobby on the side to make sure that they can balance their brain out. Like I kind of, I kind of think of it as the same with a creative individual. You can have like your main bread and butter, but you need to have other things that sort of stimulate you, but then also earn you money. And I just think if you have a skill to give, that you can dedicate the time. I think it's important to make sure that you have the time to do it. Then why wouldn't you? Because I mean, now more than ever, it's really going to be tough to get any sort of work. So the more you can diversify, and we have so many transferable skills, like gallons and gallons of them. I don't know. I just think I feel, I feel really sad when people are kind of like, oh no, I need to do this one thing and that's it. I see it so much. I think it's because of this various narratives around you know marketing yourself and positioning yourself and niching being the way to do that I think there's all sorts of things like just historic within our culture of this phrase that I really hate jack of all trades which is just such a negative like connotation to it and I think people worry about how they present themselves and what people will understand about what they do and where they fit. It's like everybody wants to fit somebody into a box or to, you know, and it doesn't, I think that constrains people quite a lot. And, you know, with clients and people I speak to, that is something that I know challenges a lot of people. And it's really great to see how you've done that and done that really successfully. And I think in terms of having different strings to your ball the thing that absolutely pulls all those together is you and your style and your personality which supersedes all of that and feeds into all of that I yeah. suppose as well it's the same with like if you think of any big brand like if you think of Dior yes he was known for creating the most beautiful feminine silhouettes but what are they known for now like just for design and beautiful elements and perfumes and shoes and everything like they have I guess diversified what they were known for and I just think we can get so yeah that pigeonholing like (laughs) you do one thing therefore that's all you do and I get it I get the whole marketing thing like you need to make sure that your client understands what you do but if you're selling yourself then they're going to know you and you're selling you and yeah yeah I don't know I just I think for me I just some people want to do it and some people I respect don't. Um, for me in particular, I think I couldn't, I think that's possibly why maybe the wedding stylist just kept taking on different things because I knew I, I could do more than just wedding styling. I could do so much more than it. That's the thing if you, if you just choose to stick to one thing as well, we just, you know, as humans, we're so multifaceted and we've got lots of skills, talents and experience. And if you choose to ignore a portion of that to focus on one thing you're denying yourself of the opportunity to reach your full potential in other areas and it can become a bit boring as well I suppose sometimes unless you you know you're willing to kind of follow what it is that you're interested in and test and experiment with different avenues yeah exactly like I would have never a few years ago um with all of my editorials I've worked with film photographers for years and I've always loved what they do and it's by chance I've ended up finally taking the dip into doing it and I've discovered that I'm actually good enough you know to book clients and actually I really love it enough to make it a service of mine and it's not so far-fetched for me to do it because I was taking you know uh, doing photography for social media campaigns and stuff like on a smaller scale but I was still doing that 
But had I listened to that voice going, oh, no, 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 you can't be a photographer as well. Like people are going to be like rolling their eyes at you. But I do it and people love it. So <laughs> why not? And it's, yeah. And it seems like when you do, you're willing to experiment and follow what it is, where your interest is and have a go at something and see what happens with it. Mm. I think you also have to welcome the fact that everything you do might not work. And I'll tell you this. I, I'm sure I've repeated it somewhere else, but... I when I was um, doing the wedding stylist I remember I was like okay well this money is seasonal what can I do in addition to earn a little bit of extra money and I remember like wrote like doing confetti for brands I was like I can make you confetti that is to your brand colors with sequins or whatever you need for your gift boxes loads of people bought it as well and it was manually intensive like it was really hard but I was like, well, what can I do that's easy enough that I can earn a bit of money on? Obviously, it wasn't viable and it wasn't something that I was actually genuinely interested in. So I did it for a few months and then that was it. Like, But I don't think there's any shame in that. Like, <laughs> and, that's not a, and I think from listening to you speak, you sound so business-minded and astute in the way you approach things. So you're obviously a very, very artistic and creative person. But behind all that really is there's somebody with a really strong, logical business head on them as well. Yeah, I think we have my dad to blame for that. <laughs> he was like, I remember after my first year of business, he was just like why haven't you earned a hundred thousand pounds and I was like what <laughs> that was never the goal <laughs> what is this suddenly happening and he was just like you're failing <laughs> I think my dad has always been sort of that main voice in my head to make sure that I succeed so I think it stems from that like that constant need to kind of make sure that I can survive it's it's that um for me it's definitely like I need to prove that I can be freelance and do something that my family don't understand but I can stand on my own two feet doing it and I'm still in the midst of doing that I wouldn't say I'm necessarily successful at doing that but I'm getting there and I would say that I've really I guess grown up in being I guess business-minded I think I've always been self-aware but the business-mindedness I think has come from over the years kind of looking and doing those accounts and going wow okay something needs to change what can I change this year but I'm sort of now a lot more mature I I don't know maybe you turn 30 and suddenly just know how to do it (laughs) and it's like like I said it's learning constantly and be willing to analyze what it is you've done and adapt and move forward not just kind of carry on doing the same and expecting something different yeah absolutely so all these different elements, so your art direction, um, your photography, your painting, your writing, everything that you do, how do you juggle that during the week and during the month? And how do you, I suppose, like allocate the physical time, but the headspace, how does that work for you as a business? I, I would love to be able to give a straight answer. My iPal calendar is sort of my Bible. I put any sort of um, meetings and stuff in that. And that's sort of like, I guess, how I manage my day to day. I'm really terrible. Like I love every so often writing a to-do list or something I call like a brain map, where basically if I'm juggling multiple different projects, which I am, um, I will because I get overwhelmed quite easily I suffer from anxiety and it's you know it's at its peak right now because of the emotional personal side of my life but I've got a handle on that I think but I would draw this sort of like brain map and I would put on that brain map the only main projects that need immediate attention and then 
the immediate task after that. So for example, if it's like backdrop, blah, 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 I would be like, okay, well, what's the next step? Do I need to order the fabric or do I need to order the paint or do I need to hang up the fabric to begin painting? Like I would only write the next step just to kind of make the tasks, which, you know, seem big, but just kind of make them, okay, well, it's written down, it's there. The next thing you need to do is just that one thing. Okay, it's done. And then it's off of your head, kind of. Instead of writing one big to-do list, you really kind of need to focus in on that snapshot of that immediate short-term view. Yeah. And I often like use my calendar, which is on my phone and on my laptop to kind of allocate hours to painting and stuff like that. So that's why it is a bit of a juggle because like all of my other work can kind of pretty much pick, like I'll wake up in the day and I'll be like, okay, I can work on this. I can work on this and allocate the hours and sort of in my head, I don't need to necessarily map it out. But as I've got backdrop orders, I have to map out like days for painting Um, then because obviously they have downtimes they need to dry and stuff so then those downtimes I know I can either like you know put a meeting in like with you (laughs) or um, go okay well I'm going to dedicate it to that bit of graphic design work that I've got coming up like I'm kind of I guess a little bit free-spirited but I do hold a sort of self-care routine more so than a work routine so my work kind of fits in around my sort of day to day so every day I wake up and actually wake up at whatever time or whenever the cat wakes me up but I will always go f- to get my coffee I don't I mean I will always check my emails <laughs> but I will not really deal with anything until I've had my morning coffee and my morning coffee like from Monday to Saturday is a takeaway coffee and it's from ironically enough one of my jobs so I do social media content for this cafe down the road Um, so I'll go there have my coffee come back sit down and then I'll open my laptop and look at my emails and start responding to things unless I have like something that I need to immediately go straight to the studio and just get on with painting or check something I'm kind of quite protective of that if I have to have a meeting I'll be like can we do it at 9 30 I'll never say nine because I need to make sure I just have that morning kind of relaxation time yeah kind of when to kind of like just reflect on the day ahead and yeah and kind of go okay well you know you take shop don't you you kind of go okay well I can push that job to tomorrow or I can do that now I'm I'm one of those people that kind of works under pressure better it's the same since school like I'm the last minute crammer (laughs) I study under pressure it's the same I work better under pressure do you think then juggling so many things that really plays to that because there's always some deadline that needs to be done yeah there's a sense of urgency for everything I'm doing but I whilst I can be quite anxious and stuff like that I'm fairly relaxed until I don't need to be (laughs) which is terrible and maybe not the best way to work but there are certain processes I know how long it takes for me to do an hour's work of graphic design and I know that I can work in the evenings I'm not it's terrible I'm not very precious about my evenings if I don't feel well in the daytime I know that I can take up my evening and I can you know do it then if I don't have any plans on a weekend I don't mind working I used to be when I did weddings I was a lot more strict now with what I do I've just noticed this ease of flexibility I don't need to protect my evenings and weekends so much so if I do feel a bit poorly 
or if I do feel like mentally because of whatever's you know the emotional trauma in my life right now I can go no I, I the worst thing you can do is force yourself to work when you're not feeling great I understand that you have time pressures but then I'm just not going to be as precious about my my evening mm. and do you think that helps because the structure that you've created in the your business now the things that you're doing are all things that you enjoy doing as well so you've created a business the way you do need to do things in the evening and weekends it doesn't feel so much as you're kind of sacrificing something yeah I would love to say that work doesn't feel like work but it does for me work does feel like work yeah Yeah, it still feels like work not working feels like not work (laughs) um but yeah I think I do I do genuinely love everything I do I love doing graphic design I love doing paint I love painting um I have my off days with painting I would say that more so than everything else and I've had a few like previous contract jobs that I weren't wasn't so keen on so I had a a social media uh, contract last year which was nice but it wasn't necessarily the funnest so I'd I'd always be a bit and I'd have to travel into London for it and it would just be like oh I'd always kind of like dread having to deal with it so I can always tell when I enjoy my contracts and stuff and I'm definitely more inclined to kind of work on those things first but I kind of I don't know again it's an ebb and flow thing with me sometimes I love my own personal creative projects like so like last month I wrote and released like an online styling course and I absolutely loved doing that but now I'm around about to kind of I know I need to write the second chapter to it so the second part of it basically and I don't just I'm not jumping to it as much as I was the first one so I'm just going okay I don't need to rush there's no deadline for that I'll just get on with my other work you know so yeah sometimes even my own creative projects feel like work and I just need to just not do them (laughs) what's the thing you enjoy most out of all the things that you do is is the one thing oh god that's really hard because I don't think I'm doing it right now so obviously with covid I haven't been able to do photo shoots and styling so like art directing and bringing teams together creating a visual and doing that I mean I sort of got to a point where last week me and my friend Charlotte of Verity in Time she's a very talented florist nearby and we've collaborated on lots of creative projects before we actually just decided to do our own little photo shoot in the garden with a beautiful table set up and that kind of like stretched that sort of creative muscle that I miss so much right now but that would be my favorite thing I absolutely love like my last photo shoot was with Cos before like literally as lockdown was hitting like it was a shoot that was meant to happen abroad my friend actually passed my name on it was really last minute because of lockdown and they got me to do floral styling for it and I loved it and it's just it's those jobs that I miss that I would say is my favorite but I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to plan some shoots but no client shoots per se but they would be my favorite (laughs) what you enjoy doing and I think in like your style and your aesthetic and I think the beauty that comes across from the visual work that you do as an art director and also through your personal work it's really captivating you know so when you see on your Instagram um how you pull that all together I think you know I'm personally really drawn in by that that style how's your personal style developed over the years personally and within your business 
yeah, I sometimes feel like a bit of a fraud with my style. This is going to sound a little bit weird. Um, obviously, aesthetically, when you look at my Instagram and you look at my work, I have a very, very strong style. I know I do. If I was, I always think of style, it stems from the person. And if I look over myself over the years, I've never had one particular style. If I go back to when I was a teenager in my clothing, like I've always been like, I guess, feminine, but not in the stereotypical sense. I've always been a romantic, but not in the sort of like flowing dresses. I've always just, I don't know, I've figured I've changed along the way. Maybe that's just because I'm a class A consumer. In terms of my work style, um, I would always describe it as sort of feminine. So I guess that ties into sort of how I am as a person. I am a romantic and stuff. And a lot of my styling stems from emotions. I think my style isn't necessarily a particular, I mean, you could say it's a particular color palette, but it's more emotional than, yeah, than an aesthetic, I think. All of my work always comes from an emotional place. And that's probably mainly because I'm an emotional person and my life, you know, since childhood has been fairly emotional. (laughs) But yeah, in terms of its development, I guess by when you run your own business, you have to figure out how you're going to represent yourself. And I burst onto the scene with the wedding size being like mint green, pink, gold, polka dots. Like it was loud and proud. But then as I worked within the wedding industry and I looked at the weddings I wanted to create. So the weddings didn't that I created didn't look like my branding. So as I, I think it was about two years in, um, I rebranded and it was a lot more classic. It was a bit more muted in its color palette and it was very focused on film photography, but a little bit on the darker side. So I guess you could say that would have been the visual I still sort of put out today. I I kind of ebb and flow between light and airy photography and dark and moody photography. But ultimately, I, I guess it, my my eye is an emotional eye. Hmm. No, I, I, can, I can definitely see that. And I think you touched on it a little bit there as well. But I wanted to ask about the you know the work that you do both the visual work and you know your Instagram and and the painting I suppose as well how much your work is an expression of you and how much of how much of you do you put into your work and how does that play out on Instagram as well in terms of how much you give away of yourself and how much you hold back I'm a terribly open book <laughs> I'm, I'm very much wear my heart on my sleeve um, I'm very open and honest about how I feel about things and how I feel about people. <laughs> I'm one of those people you'll meet and you can read my face before you hear my words. I put a lot of myself into the work, maybe slightly to my detriment. In what respect? Because it, it's draining for me. It, it, funnily enough, the painting, more so than anything, is actually one of my most emotional outlets that's why even though I have a main collection with their individual recipes of colors each backdrop is very much about my mood and how I'm feeling that day and what is coming to me um without sounding too woo-woo no No, it's it's really kind of in tune with how my hand moves and how my eye is feeling and the emotion if I'm feeling really angry well if I'm feeling too angry I definitely won't paint 
But sometimes my sadness, because I listen to music whenever I paint, even when I'm doing a photo shoot, I will design a music playlist that sort of represents the emotions of what I'm working with. And the same when I'm painting, I will have a playlist that I will listen to, whether it's the chart music just to kind of get my energy up and, and be excited, or whether it is more emotional. And I really want to feel something with the, the colors I'm blending. Yeah, I put a lot of myself, a lot of my personal creative projects are me. Um, They will have stemmed from an emotion or a story of mine. So I'm actually, so funny enough, as I'm writing this second styling course, I'm talking very much about how there's this one editorial I designed from a particular emotional moment for me with my, um, I guess, I don't know, (laughs) ex-mother-in-law. Is that even a thing? But yeah, no, so I, I put a lot of myself out there and I've always been sort of unapologetically honest on my Instagram. I did I did kind of hold back a little bit last year as I was processing my migration, mm. but I'm now more than ever vocal about how, if, I think even more so with everything that's happened since the Black Lives Matter movement and such, so proud of my voice and... I just think that everybody should be able to try and express themselves, whether it's within their work or in private or on the social media platform. I think everybody should sort of be free to kind of explore and talk about their emotions. And I think it's only a good thing, really. And I suppose leading on from that then, because one of the questions I usually ask in the podcast, so the podcast is called Beyond Stories. And the idea behind that is there is certain stories that we tell ourselves or that we're told by others from society, our parents, you know, our social group or whatever, about things we should and shouldn't do, who we should and shouldn't be. And I wanted to ask for you, um, in order to do the work that you want to be doing and to show up how you do show up, have there been any stories for you that you've had to overcome, like fear or self-doubt or anything really that you've had to really push past to be able to, to do that and find that voice that you were talking about, you know, to be able to speak with that true voice that is you and share those ideas and things that are important to you and share that message? Yeah, I, yeah. I think the irony is... A lot of my voice stems from my emotions. Again, I repeat myself, and I'm a broken record on emotions. But a lot of what I talk about uh, is love. And I was very open about when I got married. Um, my wedding is online. It's in a book. It's everywhere. And I talk very openly about the, the beginnings of our marriage and how it was hard at times. Um, and I think that was something when it actually, you know, this year in particular, since filing for divorce and such, that is, I think, one of the things that personally I had to overcome because, again, I used to style weddings. Um, I talk a lot about love and relationships in my work. And I, you know, it was my career for a long time. So to then kind of go, oh, no, my love story didn't work out was a really hard thing to kind of want to admit to myself, particularly because of like the cultural ramifications and um, I remember I took it took me a while to actually get the courage to tell my dad that me and my ex had split up and that took a lot out of me. But what I really want to do this year is speak up for women who've gone through divorce, whether they the one that has ended the relationship or not. I think 
I'm really becoming aware of this taboo and the media speech around women who get divorced and how even if we're not to blame, we're somehow blamed. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the things I really want to push through. And I would say that's the biggest thing I want to push through. But then also with everything I've learned from some incredible black female educators this year about my voice um, being a brown woman I would not talk about that at the beginning of my business and I launched myself into a very Anglican wedding <laughs> world um, it it wasn't you know people would have assumed it, had they seen me I would have done Asian weddings but I didn't I did I guess white weddings <laughs> with the lack of a better term but I think pushing through the anxiety of getting married I had a lot of anxiety and depression first getting married and the relationships within my family kind of being very tense and then being in the marriage and it not being what I hoped it to be processing all of those emotions to finally get to the point where we you know ended it to now kind of move ahead and actually I guess in a very cliche way become the woman I was meant to become I feel like it's been a, uh, an entire like seven years of depression, anxiety and kind of pushing through that. I even spoke about just feeling suicidal last year as well. Like there's a lot I've had to kind of, I guess, push through. <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't know really where I'm going with this, but yeah, there's always something. And because of those experiences and because of those feelings that you have had, now kind of coming through those and I know you said that you know it's still very much something that is part of your life at the moment but you're coming through those experiences and having been in that place I don't know for some reason that feels like the things that you have to say and using your voice is even more important mm, yeah I've always been a bit of a, a loud mouth <laughs> my dad can attest to that I'm a very <laughs> he's the one guy that he just he's just like why do you always argue with me <laughs> It sounds like a very uh, strong character in your life, your dad. He seems very supportive. and Yeah, he's definitely why I'm so stubborn. He often goes, why are you so headstrong? And I'm like, because I've learned from the best stuff yeah. here. Like, what do you expect? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, based on what you just said then, um, if I asked you if you had one thing to share or maybe what's the message you would want to share with the world through your work, what would you what would you say to that? Is there, I suppose, is there a why or purpose behind what you do? Yeah, the why. This is what I've actually been having a real reckoning of. Like, why do I do what I do? Um, and what what is the message that I want people to reach? And I don't think there's necessarily one message I think it's more of an emotional spark and I, I appreciate I've said the word emotional plenty of times and I really hope someone's done a drinking game to it but um mm. the, the simple fact that I can create something that someone will look at and be inspired by or and um, like they will feel something from it I think is the only message I can really expect to to, to garner and I think that is something to be really proud of if you can inspire someone and to make them feel something by looking at your work whether it's sadness whether it's inward thinking about their own self self you know if I can trigger so, some sort of emotion in them 
by looking at a visual that they just go, wow, that really captures them. I think it kind of goes back to how I've been captivated by the artists that have gone before, before me and all of us. And if I can, I mean, I am in no way a comparison, but the one thing that's always stopped me and my favourite place, I, I think I would love to go, every opportunity I have is Monet's water lily paintings in the Orangery Gallery in Paris. It's one of my favourite places. And if I can, and again, I am no way like him, but if I can get someone to stop and look at my work the way that I stop and look at his work and just, just go wow look at the layers of paint oh my god how long does it take him like just to make them stop and for a moment not be within themselves be within whatever I've created for them that will be what I seek (laughs) I remember there's a there's a funny thing it kind of goes back to when I was a kid and I always used to say if I could make whoever I come into counter with just smile then that's that's what I want to do and I think you know in terms of that speaks, doesn't it, to the really fundamental nature of being a human and you know feeling that emotion and connecting on that emotional level. And it's 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 creating a feeling, isn't it? It's you having a feeling and creating that feeling and passing it on. Mm, yeah. If you speak about success and thinking about you talked at the beginning about being very commercial in your business and very astute with the commercial decisions, what does success mean to you? What does that look like for you and your business? Oh, gosh. I think this is a really difficult question, funnily enough. I don't know if I'll ever feel a sense of success. And that that might sound a little bit strange. I've had moments where I've gone, yay, and I feel successful. And a lot of people would describe me as successful now. So I'm kind of hesitant to say that I have my own sort of, I guess, thermometer level of success. So when I've hit that point, I'll feel it. I don't know if I ever will. I don't know whether that's because I'm a creative and I don't, I don't know because even if I, you know, got booked tomorrow by Dior to do an editorial, I will do it and I'd feel amazing. And I'd be like, Oh my God, this is it. I've made it. But I don't know whether I would necessarily feel like I'm successful, which is really weird, isn't it? What is the word that makes you feel most fulfilled? Yeah, I think, well, I think it is just the word fulfilled. I, um, if I can wake up every day and feel happy with what I'm doing and again it's that feeling in my tummy that I'm not feeling anxiety I'm not feeling sort of sadness I think for me success is maybe a a, much a smaller thing in terms of making sure that I'm just living a life where I'm comfortable I don't don't think I need a lot of comforts I mean me and my cat are fine (laughs) just you know if I'm able to do what I do if I'm able to paint if I'm able to art direct and continue what I'm doing now I feel like that would be success for me so what are you working on at the moment well today I'm painting a backdrop (laughs) (laughs) about that process about the backdrop so just to explain you paint artistic photographic backdrops um for people um I have just started one which I am very very excited about um so do you want to chat a little bit about your process for that and what that looks like yeah I mean this is I mean I guess I have to kind of go back to how they were born really it was just inspiration from I painted my wall in my studio one day because I just wanted it to be a bit more 
I guess, pleasing. And I was inspired by all these plaster walls that I'd seen and interiors and stuff, because I guess that's my architecture eye coming back to it. I'd seen it a lot. And then I remember someone going, oh, wow, can you, do you make them? And I was like, well, I can. (laughs) But then it took me like six months to kind of develop, you know, finding eco-friendly cotton mills and like non-plastic. Like I really wanted to push it and keep it all natural and organic and non-toxic, etc. So it took me a while to actually develop the look on a fabric backdrop. I could do walls easily like that. I knew how to do that. But backdrops, I wanted them to be really flexible, lightweight, and again, I walked into it with naivety that no one else does it. There was a lot of people that do beautiful textured backdrops, by the way. <laughs> and my process with them was I knew I needed to come up with sort of a main collection, sort of a guideline for people to kind of go, oh, okay. And it sort of was like these main five designs. And when I was thinking of the names for them, I went to, you know, little on me, emotional self. I went for big love stories. So all of them are named after particular protagonists in love stories and whenever someone receives a backdrop they also receive like a care sheet which depicts the story and on the website you can read the same stories as well and they all sort of color wise tie into I mean that took a long time (laughs) um tie into themselves but in terms of process for them I mean I put the fabric on the wall and I know the recipes of the colors because they've developed them and trial and tested them And I just kind of just go with the flow and I paint. And again, I think I expressed it earlier, whatever I'm feeling that day. There might be a little section of it that has a bit more stabbing. (laughs) I guess there's not really kind of like a a process in terms of the creation side of it. So you put put your mobile car and you kind of just go with that. Yeah. So that's what you're working on at the moment. Um, But looking into the future what's what's next for you what's next for your business have you got anything coming up on the horizon yeah no I mean I want to so I used to teach a lot of branding workshops and Instagram courses and that sort of disappeared about two years ago when I switched to my business that it is now but I've recently released some online courses um about styling basically I've always been very hesitant to talk about it and teach it because I think it's such an intuitive thing. But then I am now part of the Melia's team um, and I've been teaching their students a little bit about styling composition. And then I'd actually a long time ago written a sort of styling course, which never really saw the light of day. And I was like, well, why don't I just take this as an opportunity? There's clearly people who want to learn how I create my visuals and build them and how I storytell because that's something really key to what I do within my styling. I wrote the course and released that and it was really well received. It was really exciting. But then there's like this craving to learn more um, about composition. So that's what I'm working on sort of in my downtime, writing that next bit. In terms of in the horizon, I'm working with a few different contracts doing more social media content but the main thing is just I've got some personal things to sort out first before I Hmm. embark on any massive shifts (laughs) yeah any big changes yeah I would say the education the teaching is is the in the next thing that I I've always loved teaching it it just I love it so much so it made sense to kind of come back to it in this small way so I'm thinking and thinking about how I can teach more um, but teach of value like uh, 
and hold my students accountable and really really keen to do that and I'm I'm thinking and I'm writing away like how I'm gonna do that and hassle all of my students <laughs> well that sounds really exciting because I think you know all the experience that you've got over the past you know 10 years setting up your business and all the different avenues you, you know the experience you've got is really rich and valuable and I'm sure you've got tons of really insightful information and knowledge that you can that you can share with people and help them yeah hope so well this is the thing I've always because I'm so unique in my approach it's not stereotypical but then I've always thought if you're going to teach something you've got to make sure that you teach it well and you make it clear enough even if it is as woo-woo as my sort of brain I want to make sure it's of value I hate it when people have to buy a course and it just you know doesn't give as much as it should maybe I don't know (laughs) I just want to make sure that no one kind of feels like they're missing out on something that they could have learned from me no I totally understand that so if people want to come and find you online where can they come to see you I'm all over Instagram but the main place I call home is at cinderie.design I do have a website www.cindereferris.co.uk but I'm mainly on Instagram and from there you can see all my other platforms there amazing well thank you so much for today it's been lovely to chat to you thank you Lauren so much for having me (laughs) you can find links to everything we discussed in today's show in the show notes in your app or at laurenosullivan.com forward slash beyond the stories podcast don't forget if you've enjoyed today's episode pass it on and share it with someone who you think would enjoy it too thank you so much for listening i hope you have a lovely week see you next time